Shalom Alechem. Um, so, this is actually going to be a um, Tehillim study for this week's Torah portion of Parsha Vayechel. Um, but I want to read from you, or to you rather, the Besora of Luke uh, 18 specifically. Um, but bef- before I get into Luke 18, I just want to preface what Mashiach says right before we get into Luke 18, because I think it's important. And so I'm just going to start reading at the end of 17, going into 18, and then we'll say our bracha for the Tehillim, and we'll do our study. So it says, to just just to point out, he's talking about the redemption, because it's the, the, the story where he says, I'm going to start in verse uh, Luke 17:34. Says, "I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken along, and the other left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, and the other left. Where, Lord?" They replied. And he said to them, "Where there is a corpse, there also will the vultures be gathered." So he paints a pretty. Um, I guess gruesome picture of what this is going to be. He's talking about in the same days of Lot. You know, this is when the Son of Man comes. It'll be just like that in the days of Noah. But 18 is really, the way 18 opens up is really important because he tells them this, and I I have to assume based on what I just read, going into 18, that they were discouraged because it says, Then Yeshua told them a parable to show that they should always pray and not be discouraged. Meaning that they heard everything that he said about the redemption and it didn't sit well with them or they just felt like they were missing uh, the mark. And so he tells them, he starts telling them this parable. So that they should always pray and not be discouraged. Verse 2, he said, There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor respected people, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my opponent. He was unwilling at the time, but afterward he said to himself, Although I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so she won't wear me out by her incessant coming. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge is saying. Won't God do justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will quickly give them justice. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So that'll be important later because I want to, I just, I'm going to reference this later. But I wanted to read that just as a, um, just given the circumstances that are going on currently in our world. And so with that, here we go to the Tehillim. May it be your will, O Adonai, our God, and the God of our forefathers, who chooses his servant David and his offspring after him, and who chooses songs and praises that you turn with mercy to the reading of the Psalms of Tehillim that I shall read. As if King David of blessed memory himself had said them, May his merit protect us. 
May the merit of the verses of Tehillim and the merit of their words, letters, vows, and cantillations, as well as the divine names formed by acronyms of the initial and final letters, stand us in good stead to atone for our transgressions, iniquities, and sins, to cut down tyrants, and cut off all the thorns and briars that surround the supernal rose, to unite the bride of youth with her beloved, with love, brotherhood, and fellowship, and from that unification may abundant sustenance be drawn to our spirit, breath, and soul, to purify us of our iniquities, forgive our sins, and to atone for our transgressions. Just as you forgave David who said these psalms before you, as, you, as it says, The Lord has removed your sin, you will not die. May you not take us from this world before our time, before the completion of our years, which number seventy, so that we may repair that which we have ruined. May the merit of King David of blessed memory shield over us and around us, that you may be patient with us until we return to you in complete repentance. May you favor us from your treasury of gratuitous gifts, as it is written, I favor those whom I favor, and I am merciful with those upon whom I take mercy. And just as we sing praise before you in this world, so may we merit, O Adonai our God, to sing songs and praises before you in the world to come. And through the saying of the Tehillim, may the tulip of Sharon be inspired to sing with a sweet voice, with happiness and with joy. May the glory of the Lebanon be given to her, majesty and splendor in the house of Adonai our God. Speedily in our days. Amen. Selah. Lechuneranena le Adonai naria le tzurisheno Nekada mafanav betoda bismirot naria lo Ki el gadol Adonai umelekadola kol Elohim Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us raise our voices in jubilation to the rock of our salvation. Let us approach Him with thanksgiving. Let us raise our voices to Him in song. For the Lord is a great God and a great King over all supernal beings. <clears throat> so, this week's Tehillim is Psalm 61. And I'll read it and then I'll tell you the art scroll Tehillim intro to to what's going on in this telling. For the conductor on the Neginat by David. Hear, O God, my cry, listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. Unto you I call when my heart does grow faint to a rock that is too high for me to climb alone. Lead me. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength in the face of the enemy. May I dwell in your tent forever. May I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You granted the inheritance of those who fear your name. Days unto the days of the king may you add. May his years be like all generations. May he sit forever before God. Kindness and truth a point that they may preserve him. Thus shall I praise your name forever to fulfill my vows day after day. I think this psalm is very, very um, well-timed. Obviously, I think Hashem is saying a lot to us right now. 
with the parasha, with the tehillim, with everything that's going on. If uh, you know those who have ears, let them hear. Right? That's what Mashiach is always telling us. And um, so, I want to say what the Arshro Tehillim says on this because it's very interesting, very, very interesting given everything that's going on. So it says, this psalm demonstrates that no distance or danger could could diminish David's fervent love for God even when Saul pursued him to reach or to the furthest reaches of the realm David's heart remained rooted in the spiritual center of the land, the house of God and he yearned for the opportunity to serve God in the holy precincts. Soforno and Mezuzot David maintained that this psalm was composed when David traveled to repel, to repel Aram, the nation which threatened to overrun and to annex the remote eastern boundaries, boundaries of the land of Israel. The end of the land, the end of the land. The threat is discussed in the preceding psalm to which this chapter is a sequel. Now, this is what I was wanting to read. It says, Radak, based on the Midrash, adds that David's cries echo the collective prayers of Israel in exile from the dismal loneliness and isolation of the diaspora. The Jews cry out to the Redeemer to restore them to their national home. This psalm concludes with a request for the continu- continuity of, da- of the Davidic line of kings. The kings of the house of David are the precursor of the, of the Messiah who will gather the scattered remnants of Israel into the land of their fathers maybe soon in our days. Amen. So the reason I highlighted what Radak was saying is because if you haven't noticed... Um, Loneliness and isolation of the diaspora. Hashem is giving us all a taste of that right now. And the other thing I want to say regarding the coronavirus or corona. It's interesting because in Hebrew, you could actually break it down into two words. Which is karol, which is call, and na, which is please. And the other interesting part about that is Corona and Mashiach have the same gematria. So you spell Mashiach Mim, Shin, Yud, Chet. So Mim is 40, Shin is 300, plus the Yud, which is 10, and the Chet, which is 8, you get 358. Now, Corona, when you transliterate that into Hebrew, you get Kuf, Vav, Resh, Aleph, Kuf being 100, Vav being 6, Resh being 200, Aleph being 1, that would be Karol, which is call, and then Noon and Aleph, which is Na, 50 is Noon, and Aleph is 1, you get 358. And so I just want to reiterate what Radak says. It says, David cries echo the collective prayer of Israel in exile from the dismal loneliness and isolation of the diaspora, the Jews, the Jews cry out to their Redeemer to restore them to their national home. 
This psalm, I can't tell you, is very, very timely. And with that, I'm going to now get into um, the commentary. Because, like I said, this, this psalm is very important. And Tehillim, right now, is truly, truly our, our weapon. Prayer is our weapon at this very moment. So it says, the Negu notes. So it's talking about for the conductor on the Negi knot, right? So it says, for the conductor on the Negi knot, this title appears frequently in the Psalms. However, the spirit, this specific variation, Al Negi knot, is unique. Mary maintains that the two terms are synonymous and refer to the musical instruments in the Levite orchestra. Thus, al means on, i.e. this psalm was composed to be played on these instruments. However, Piskita Rabatai 9.2 renders al-neginat as because of, songs, so, or because of songs. David said, Because God has kindly granted me the privilege of praising him with songs, now I dedicate a netzach, an eternal tune, to his benevolence. David is particularly pleased that despite the fact that he is so far removed from the center of God's presence, he is still granted the inspiration to compose psalms. And so, hear, O God, my cry. This refers, verse 2, this refers to the audible call which escapes from the lips. Israel pleads, please hear me even though I'm in exile and distant from you. Listen to my prayer. This indicates the unspoken yearning of the heart. I praised you aloud for you, your past kindness and you heard my cry. Therefore, continue to heed my prayer for your future assistance. And then it says... When my heart, so verse 3, when my heart is cloaked in troubles from the end of the earth, I call to you. And so it says, according to Rashi, David sent his armies out, a distant, out on, a distant foreign, on distant foreign campaigns while his royal duties forced him to stay behind. When he grew concerned for their safety at the end of the land, he implored God to assist them. The Midrash Shokotov interprets these words as a reference to Israel in exile. Wherever and whenever Israel cries out to the Holy One, blessed be he, he responds as it says, I called on your name, Adonai, from the depths of the pit. You heard my voice. Lamentations 3, 55 and 56. God replies with regret. Now you begin to call upon me from the end of the land. But when you were still in your land, you neglected to call me. This implies, had the nation only cried out, then it certainly would have been spared the misery of exile. As it says, when my heart grows faint, this translation follows the Targum, when my heart is drained and exhausted. Again, Mashiach says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Mezuzot, David, however, relates the word 
to be enveloped, i.e., when my heart is shrouded in misery and suffering. Radak notes that the that incessant prayer at the time of crisis is called atifa, as in a prayer of the afflicted when he is shrouded. And so, then the next verse says, Lead me upon the, the rock that is beyond my reach. It says, Whether referring to David or to the Jew in exile, their yearning is for the land of Israel. So if you haven't caught the theme of this psalm, or what Hashem for this week, is learning, yearning for the land of Israel. So it says, Yearning and returning. This is from the Tehillim Big Green Book. Uh, Psalm 61, 114b, Kechot Tehillim. This verse echoes the theme of yearning for God and transcending physicality. When we are acutely aware that we are at the end of the earth, i.e., distant from God, we call to you. We are consumed with desire to flee the world and bond with God. Ironically, it is this yearning itself that leads to the seemingly contrary decision to return to the mundane. When we transcend the mundane and come face to face with God, we recognize that his desire is for us to immerse ourselves in this world and sanctify it. By transcending the world, we realize why we belong here. Thus enlightened, we invest our fervor for transcendence into bettering the world. The idea of returning to the world is expressed in in verse 8, which can be read as follows. Before Elohim should rest in the world, before Elohim is a reference to the essence of God, which is before or above the divine name Elohim. The essence of God, says the psalmist, should rest in the world, which occurs when we we engage with it in a holy way. So verse 4, Tehillim 61, 4. For you have been a refuge for me many times in the past. I therefore call to you now as well. The verse also alludes to the future redemption and the order in which God will gather the Jewish people on to the land of Israel. That's Radak citing Perke Rabbi Eliezer chapter 17. In verse 5, says, I will dwell in your tent forever. In David's case, the tent refers to the tabernacle. For the Jew in exile refers to the holy temple. The word forever, olamim, is the word forever. Olamim is the plural of olam, which means world. David asks that he merit to dwell in God's tent, both in this world and the next. And it says, bridging two worlds. An alternative reading is, I will dwell in your tent in two worlds. How is it possible for a person to dwell in two worlds at once? It says, when a Torah teaching is repeated in the name of a deceased scholar, it is as if the scholar's lips move in the grave. The soul of the deceased derives pleasure from its teachings being cited in the world. In this world. David therefore prays to God that after his death, Torah teachings will be cited in his name in this world, so that he would continue to speak even after death. He would thus dwell in your tent in two worlds at once. Yevamot 96b through 97a. So then verse 6. 
For you, God, heard my vows. You granted the land of the enemy as the inheritance of those who fear your name. So according to Radak, Radak's just kind of all over this one. David speaks prayerfully for the future. For you, God, will hear my vows. You will grant, etc. When David was in exile, he would vow to do certain good deeds if God would save him and bring him back to the land of Israel in peace. The inheritance, according to Radak, is the tabernacle, is the tabernacle or the holy temple. David asks God, grant me this gift that I may dwell in your tent, which is the inheritance of those who fear your name. And it says, add days to the days of the king, i.e. David, may his years equal those of every generation. If it is decreed that I should die, Rashi says, or die young, lengthen my days to the, to the span of a generation of 70 years. And Radak says, this is a reference to the future, the king is Mashiach. Verse 8 May he sit forever before God, appoint kindness and truth, that they may preserve him. It says the kindness and truth that David performs should protect should protect him. Alternatively, God's kindness and the truth of his promise should protect David from the enemy without his needing to go to war. Mezudot. Then there's a homiletic reading of this verse from the Midrash. This is called Honoring the Wealthy. So the homiletic reading of the verse, the world sits, i.e., is properly settled before God because of the kindness and truth that preserve it. When there are wealthy individuals who bestow kindness and prepare food for the poor, they preserve the world. It is for this reason that Rabbi Yehuda the Nasi and Rabbi Akiva would show respect to the wealthy as it, as it is they who care for the, for the pauper, thereby preserving the world. Eruvin 86a David asked God to make an equitable society in which there are neither rich nor poor. God retorted, In such a world, who would appoint kindness and truth to preserve him? Without economic disparity, who would be able to do kindness? Again, this psalm is very timing. Um, if you haven't noticed, the stock market is crashing. It's not a point to freak you out or anything like that. I'm just saying, given what I just read, there's opportunities to, to still do kindness. Um, and then the final, the final verse, verse 9. Thus I shall praise your name forever to fulfill my vows day after day. It says, With the dawn of each new day, I shall add fresh praises to your name. This refers specifically to the day of Israel's salvation and to the day when the Messiah will be invested with his monarchy. Then in complete peace and tranquility, I will truly be able to fulfill my vow. I shall dwell in your tent forever. So, 
with that, I just want to say that given everyone's circumstances, I, I'm sure everyone's in different circumstances right now, but just given what this psalm is saying, Hashem is definitely telling us to cry out, to call, please, Mashiach, and um, don't deep, don't be discouraged. Mashiach says, and you know, I'm not not calling anyone out, but really, just if any, if anything, I'm speaking to myself. But you know, Mashiach says, when he comes, will he find faith in the earth? And gives examples of how to pray. And if you think that you've done enough mitzvot to, uh, uh, to I don't know, whatever, you, whatever you think, if if this is your line of thinking, which I know none of, none of none, nobody thinks this, but if that is your line of thinking, then um, you know that you should just read the next parable of Matthew, uh, Luke eighteen. Sorry, yeah. And I, so I just want to end with with this, given everything that we're reading, this all this uncertain times, and I don't know. I just felt like felt like I just needed to put this together for whoever needs to hear it. Uh, if not anybody, probably myself. So this is from the parsha. This is Rav Asher Wise in the parsha of Vayichel. He says, the Torah scholar must be pure in all his relationships, both with Hashem and with his fellow man, to represent our obligation toward Hashem. He's talking about the Karavim. The Karavim stretch their wings upward to represent, to represent our obligations toward our fellow man. The Karavim face each other, displaying the love that binds the Torah adherents together in peace and brotherhood. It goes on to say, they resembled the they resembled the angels of heaven, with faces of newborn babies. This is to teach us that in our quest for Torah, we must be pure of sin like newborn babies. Where have we heard that before? And realize that our destiny, the spiritual height to which we aspire, is greater than that of the angels themselves. After Adam was exiled from Gan, Gan Eden, the Keravim were positioned as sentries to guard the path to the tree of life. And so it goes on to say, What was the message of the Kerovim? It says, First they raised their wings to heaven, teaching us to subjugate our hearts to Hashem, in sincere recognition that our fate is entirely in His hands, as the Gemara states, Rosh Hashanah 29a, And it was when Moshe raised his hands, Israel was victorious. Shemot 17.11 Was it Moshe's hands that brought success or failure? Rather, this teaches us that as long as B'nai Yisrael lifted their eyes upward and subjugated their hearts to their Father in Heaven, they were victorious. But if they failed to do so, they were defeated. Similarly, another verse states, And you shall make a snake and place it on a flagpole. Anyone who was bitten shall see it and live. Did the snake really kill or grant life? Rather, when B'nai Yisrael would raise their eyes upward and subjugate their hearts to do their Father in Heaven, they were healed. But if they failed to do so, they would die from the bite. 
from the from the bite wound. All that to say, to, reading to Halim right now is very very important. Um, and actually, I would suggest reading Psalm one twenty one. Because that is the psalm that talks about we lift our eyes from from whence comes my help, you know. So, um, anyways, those are my thoughts. That is what I was reading, and uh, I hope this blesses you. I hope this encourages you. Don't be discouraged. Mashiach tells us not to be discouraged and to keep praying. And you know, we, Hashem is our refuge. Hashem is our stronghold. And so if you're out there and, you know, Bezrat Hashem, all your needs are, are met. May Hashem protect you and cover you. Um, may we all merit to see the coming of the redemption. It's been leading sooner in our days. I'm, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, feels like Mashiach's coming, but who knows. Uh, but we need to be prepared and definitely this is, this is, if not anything, uh, something to shake the world to wake us up. So let us be faithful, let us be diligent, and let us pray to Hashem. Let us call out, let us ask for the redemption, let us ask for it with compassion and mercy. And uh, there we should see Mashiach coming on the clouds of glory speedily and soon in our days.